On this week's Dose, we have Harry Gestetner and Simon Palmpan, co-founders of Fanfix, the revolutionary platform that helps creators monetize their audience and connect with their most loyal fans. Yeah, I actually met these guys at South by Southwest and funny enough, found out that my cousin <laughs> was their entrepreneurship teacher in high school over in L.A. He continues to be one of their biggest uh, supporters as well as critics to this day. Crazy coincidence there. Yeah. Um, Harry and Simon have both had the entrepreneurial bug since childhood, and it was super fascinating to hear how that has blossomed into starting a successful nonprofit in college to eventually building Fanfix. Right. And in the interview, you'll hear more about how they came up with the idea originally, uh, their thesis on the future of the creator economy, super interesting, and how they differentiate themselves in this super competitive space. Right. An increasingly competitive space for sure. Uh, and then be sure to stick with us to hear more about their remarkable exit, as well as some of their recommendations for all of our pilgrims looking to get into venture. It was awesome having these guys on the pill, and it's our pleasure to share their story, a story that is only just beginning for two of the youngest founders we've had on in pill history. Here it is. The views, statements, and opinions expressed herein by the hosts and their guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast should not be construed as reflecting the views or implied endorsement of independent brokerage solutions, LLC, or any of its officers, employees, or agents. The statements made herein should not be considered an investment opinion, advice, or recommendation regarding securities of any company. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a security. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, we welcome on Harry Gestetner and Simon Pompan to Venture Pill this week. How are you guys doing? Very well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Co-founders of Fanfix. Obviously, we'll get into the story of how you guys started that. Um, but want to start, Harry, with you probably because we met at South by Southwest and we noticed quickly we had a couple of interesting connections, some mutual friends, but one I, I have to uh, call out my mom's cousin, uh, Bob Levin. He was your teacher at an entrepreneurship class. Was that you as well, Simon, that you yes. were in that class? Okay. Yeah, I have to call him out. We'll have to get him uh, listening to this one. But that, that was a funny connection. Yeah, he was, Rob Levin's been amazing to us. And he, he taught the entrepreneurship class at our high school. has been kind of a mentor for us, to us for years. He was one of the people we first told about the fanfix idea. And yeah, he's been, he's been amazing. I think he's probably our biggest supporters, supporter and our biggest doubter. Um, <laughs> always confusing relationship. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's a funny connection to make. And I guess how, how I wanted to tie that into starting this interview off is, was entrepreneurship always the path that you guys both saw yourselves taking? Um, or was it maybe that class that kind of sparked it in you? Yeah, personally, I've, I've kind of always been an entrepreneur, always known, you know, I've always known since I was a kid that I wanted to build things and, and create things and kind of take things from an idea into my, in my head to something that many, many people use. Um, 
So I, I honestly was one of the rare people who never really considered the, the corporate path, always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, Harry, Harry and I have been working together on, on startups and nonprofits for, for quite some time. And, um, you know, this is kind of the, always the path we wanted to go down. Sure. And, and I guess we'll get into how you guys came up with the idea for FanFix. But did you have any, like, could you tell us about any of those nonprofits or any of the other companies that you're maybe working on that you would have learned from earlier on in your careers? Yeah. I mean, yeah, personally, you've started my first business. I was 11 years old and uh, obviously was, was a colossal failure financially. But <laughs> And then had many, many businesses after that. Again, all big, big failures, but learned a ton. And then fast forward, the first, the first kind of real success we had, um, which was together with, with two other friends as well, uh, we co-founded a charity during COVID called Fuel Our Heroes. And we actually had a, had a branch at your alma mater, UT and, and one of our co-founders was uh, was a UT student and a client, and it was it, so our thesis was to use social media marketing to raise sort of five ten dollar donations from college students, and ended up scaling to raising hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and team about one hundred and forty, and that was that was kind of the first real success that we had, and was so exciting just kind of seeing you know something we built being used and having such impact on, on so many people. Wow. Yeah, and, and with that, we, we utilize content creators to help drive traffic and, and drive awareness. And uh, I think that was our first close look into the power of, of creators and driving traffic and, and pulling their communities across a variety of different platforms and being able to engage with them. That's awesome. And it sounds like, at least for Harry, you got a lot of those colossal failures out early that are crucial to the entrepreneurial journey, right? Uh, and so transitioning forward here, we'd love to hear a little bit more about how you came up with the idea for FanFix and tell the listeners a little bit more about what it is you're working on. Yeah, so so we had the, had the nonprofit and that sort of wound down towards the end of COVID. We saw the power of social media and the power of creators and Around the same time, end of 2020, my cousin blew up on TikTok, went viral, got oh. tens of millions of views and couldn't monetize. And we were pretty shocked, did some research, saw that actually creator monetization was a common issue. And meanwhile, TikTok was was really on the rise and the social media landscape was, was changing. And so we thought that there was a gap in the market for a direct monetization platform catered towards Gen Z. So Gen Z first, mobile first, TikTok first. And, uh, and, and that was a thesis, ended up spending about six months building the product, launched it in August of 2021 and had very rapid success, ended up bringing on Cameron Dallas, who's a very large creator and as a co-founder. And the, the thesis just really resonated with Gen Z creators and company has grown and grown and grown up to, you know, uh, paid out eight figures to creators and we got acquired in June. Quick, quick follow up question to that is you mentioned it for TikTok, but does it is it scaled to incorporate all of the main social media platforms or is that still kind of? A yeah, no, 100 percent. So when we say TikTok first, we mean the creators that we work with uh, are creators who grew their following on TikTok and then pulled their following across a variety of different social channels, whether that Got be it. 
onto Instagram, converting on long form content on YouTube into a discord community, converting off of a live stream. Um, so I think really when we talk about TikTok, it's more uh, the type of creator uh, and the age demographic of the TikTok platform and uh, really building the platform for mobile first digital native users and have optimized for conversion off of these social media platforms onto a digital first platform, which is Fanfix. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. So you gave a little bit of background on, you know, how you came up with the idea and, and built it and grew it so quickly. Like dive in a little deeper for us. You're building this while you're still in school at Tulane and at Vanderbilt as well. How, how did that go down? Like, how did you guys manage your time? Like, were you the ones building it, like coding it as well and things like that? So we weren't the ones coding it. We, we actually outsourced with the engineering. In terms of how we managed our time, you know, first of all, can't say I was the finest student, but <laughs> we were very lucky that it was Zoom era and, you know, mid-pandemic. So school was on Zoom, work was on Zoom. So rather than the old days where you had to go to Sand Hill Road and sit in a VC's conference room, we could come out of class at 10.45 and hop right on, an, you know, an investor Zoom and, and they had no idea that we were still in school. So, so yeah, mixed between perhaps not being the finest student and then also <laughs> leveraging Zoom school to, to be able to, to grow the company whilst still in school. Yeah, I had a, I, a little bit tougher of a, a time managing schoolwork and, and fanfics. So I took a, I took a year off uh, and then ended up dropping out right before my senior year while Harry was out there getting his uh, Tulane degree. <laughs> well, there will always, always be a rip between you guys. So when one came out with the degree. <laughs> yeah. Curious to hear as such young founders that the two of you are, what it's like in terms of leadership and recruiting a world-class team that you've built out. And also on the fundraising side of things, you know, how you go about with those investor meetings with those other venture capital firms. Yeah. So I think right off the bat, you know, when we were first starting out as college founders raising in our dorm room, first time founders, aside from our nonprofit, um, really one was selling the investors on us as founders, because at an early stage, VCs, as you know, are investing into the founders, backing mm -hmm. the founders less so the product, the, the vision and things of that nature, not saying those aren't important. Um, but with Harry and I, we also had to deal with the idea, the pushback from VCs that Gen Z wasn't willing or able to pay for content. So when we first launched, uh, you know, Instagram didn't have subscriptions, Discord didn't have direct monetization, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, super follows, whatever it may be. Um, and the idea that Gen Z was willing to pay for content was not something that was widespread, a lot of widespread belief. Um, so we had to prove that, you know, when the Twitch leaks came out and we saw Twitch streamers were making millions of dollars off of tips alone with no added benefit to tipping or the amount Gen Z was spending on Fortnite skins or Madden Mobile or FIFA Ultimate Team, uh, you know, that was something that we believed in. And, and because we were close enough to the age demographic that we're targeting, being Gen Z founders ourselves, that was a big hurdle we had to get through and, and really sell the vision and, and you know, sell the, the promise of, of what we were building, which was a hub for creators to monetize across a variety of different verticals. And that's, we have taken that, those same lessons we learned from fundraising into our 
hiring process. And uh, Harry and I are really good at attracting top talent and getting people bought into a shared goal and a shared vision. And, you know, I think we have created a very uh, fun and exciting work environment that that gets a lot of buy-in from from our team. And it's just all about leverage as well. You know, when we first started, the, as an entrepreneur, it's not easy things you're trying to do. You're trying to, A, tell investors why they should trust 20-year-old kids with millions of dollars of their money, and then B, you know, encourage people way older than you, why they should quit their safe jobs, risk their mortgage, risk their kids' <laughs> school fees, and risk being able to, uh, you know, put, put food on the table to come and join your crazy early stage startup. So it just the less leverage you have, the harder you have to work. And we had zero leverage at the, at the beginning being young, first time founders. Now it's a lot easier. And now we're very lucky that we pretty much kind of in terms of recruiting, pretty much get everyone that we want. Uh, but, and, and you know, we have to, we don't have to work as hard now for that, but it was definitely a lot more work at the beginning, just getting that leverage. Yeah, definitely. And congrats to you guys for building that so quickly. And in, in what is a, maybe it wasn't quite as a competitive space back when you started it, but talk to us about like how you view the competitive landscape, the broader creator economy as it stands today. Like, do you have any direct competitors that, that you're really yeah. working up against? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So really the two main competitors in this space are Patreon and OnlyFans. When you think about Patreon, targets a much older demographic, more akin to the likes of Facebook. It's a desktop first platform. It's essentially a crowdfund for for artists and, and creators where, you know, the fans have become patrons donating to support these content creators. And uh, that doesn't align well with these Gen Z content creators and how they engage with their community and how they build their audiences. And then on the other hand, you have OnlyFans, a lot of stigma associated with the platform, uh, being 18 plus and, and creators losing out on high paying brand deals when they join uh, platforms like OnlyFans. Uh, so really, we we created a platform for the Gen Z content creator who wants to build a recurring revenue stream in a new, you know, a new source of income that through direct monetization that they could fully control. Uh, and that's where Fanfix came in. I think competition, there's, def there's definitely been a lot of competition along the way. I think competition is a great test for an entrepreneur. It either sharpens you and fuels you or it destroys you. And, you know, either an entrepreneur will get motivated, sharpened and encouraged by, by competition or they'll make rash, quick decisions based on kind of freaking out over, um, over doomsday. And, you know, thankfully we, we were the former and, and, and kind of, stuck to our guns and ended up working out. And so a little bit more on the creator economy, something Sam and I have become privy to, especially in the past year and a half or so with the podcast is how increasingly popular and competitive it is within the creator economy. Would love to hear from your perspective, what you think it looks like three, five, 10 years down the line from now. Yeah. I mean, our main thesis from the beginning, which we still stick to is we we're very bullish on the creator economy. We think that, a massive proportion of Gen Z aspires to be a creator when they grow up. And we think in three, five, 10 years, being a creator is going to be just as valid, legitimate and lucrative a career path as being a banker or a lawyer. And Fanfix and our ecosystem of, of Superlink, our, our Link bio, et cetera, we want to be the underlying platform that 
powers and empowers those creators. So FanFix's mission is to empower creators to monetize their passions. And we think the creator economy is the future of work and it's very exciting. So I guess maybe tell us a little bit more about some of the creators you have. You mentioned the one that you brought on as a founder early on, like give us some examples of the types of creators you're working with. Yeah. So Cameron Dallas was brought on just after launch as a co-founder and he's one of the largest creators in the space was uh, essentially pioneered the first brand deal was a creator at a time when creators couldn't monetize. Uh, I think on Instagram alone, he has 25 million plus followers. But really, we work with a variety of different creators from uh, Anna Shoemate, who's a TikTok icon, being Anna Banana, and Brooke Monk, who's also you know, a TikTok lifestyle creator, to uh, Jumpers Jump, which is one of the largest Gen Z podcasts that hosts its exclusive episodes, extended cuts, behind-the-scenes content, and uses fanfix as a way to engage with their Jumpers community. Yeah, so really work with a variety of different creators, whether it's fitness creators dropping meal plans and fitness plans like Abby Burner, or it's artists leaking music, uh, studio sessions, motivational audio. Uh, Fanfix really allows creators from a variety of different verticals to engage with their community directly. Super cool. Yeah, and uh, as Venture Pill grows, I mean, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to join the likes of <laughs> of those of that crew you mentioned there. Love um, to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to, I guess, a more recent event for you guys. You were acquired by Super Ordinary for eight figures. Massive congratulations. That's huge. Um, an exit within two, less than two years. Um, was that in the sights from the beginning? Like, had was that even a goal? Like, how did that even come about? So, you know, totally thought that it was going to happen and totally thought that we were going to have success with this. And we really really believe in it, believe in ourselves from the beginning. I think we were shocked at how quick it was. It was 10 yeah. months from uh, the deal completed 10 months from launch, which was Jeez. way earlier than we thought it was. Oh, gonna wow. Happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely a lot quicker than we thought it was gonna happen. But you know, overall, I think the space is is so exciting. And it's so compelling just having so many Gen Z creators kind of, you know, using our platform as their primary form of monetization and kind of to empower their livelihoods that we definitely, definitely thought it was, uh, it was going to happen. Yeah. And, and super ordinary who is our parent company has been a wonderful partner in helping us grow internationally, helping us staff up new products and, and projects that we have launched out into the creator economy, like our link in bio super link, um, and gala gala, which is our brand marketplace and, and new products that we will be launching in the future as well. Okay, so now starting to look look forward a little bit here. We're getting all excited. What does the future hold for Super Ordinary and more specifically within the fanfix part of the parent company of Super Ordinary? Yeah, so as I said with, with, with our thesis, it's remained the same since the beginning. We're extremely bullish on the creator economy and we think that, that there's going to be a new whole new generation in the, the, of creators and the number of creators is going to go from kind of the millions to the billions. And we want to be as fanfic, super ordinary, kind of the, the general ecosystem here. We want to be the underlying platform that empowers those creators to monetize and connect with their fans. And here's here's a quick follow-up question, uh, kind of a hot button issue, which is TikTok obviously been a lot in the news lately. Future yeah. is uncertain, uh, as I'm sure you both know better than I do. 
curious to hear how that being banned would change things within fanfics and just the creator economy at large. Yeah, I think I think I think to start it off, one thing we're already starting to see and it's continuing to pick up is creators diversifying their platforms. Uh, so, you know, creators growing on TikTok, pushing that content out on shorts or on reels or on spotlight, whatever it may be. Uh, and we're really starting to see a ramp up in creators launching new pages on new platforms, whether it be Lemon 8 or Discord communities and you know, wanting to diversify their revenue streams, but also their audience. And really, since with these large platforms, they aren't able to own their data and own their own communities truly, that has really benefited Fanfix, where, you know, we are a cross-channel subscription content platform for creators to build communities of their loyal fans and, and really own their communities. So with the decline in, you know, these brands' influencer marketing budgets, and the need to own their own creators to own their own community that has been a big sell for creators joining fanfix and other paywall platforms as well yeah i, I don't think the tiktok ban will really uh, affect creators whatsoever to be honest i think creators across channel and cross platform at this point and are diverse di diversified enough i think it would probably set back some 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 companies or agencies a few months uh, at most but i think it'll be a setback rather than a complete eradication of a market. I think that, you know, platforms like Reels and YouTube Shorts are, are primed to just, you know, pick up where TikTok left off. That being said, to be honest, I thought I thought it was I thought it was gonna happen. I thought the ban was was inevitable or at least divestment. And and then the bill that was actually proposed ended up just being a complete bait and switch. And you know, one of the most shocking things I've ever read and and just a complete overreach, you know, past past kind of the, the US-China decoupling toward, you know, past mm -hmm. that and more kind of overt control of, uh, of, of consumers and, and bearing the blame and, and potential punishment on consumers, which is just completely the wrong way to go about it, completely the, the wrong thing to do. So now I'm, I'm a lot more kind of skeptical that the, that the ban or divestment will actually happen. I appreciate the comprehensive answer there. I want to dig in a little deeper here, kind of the value prop to creators. Let's say Sam and I are massive creators shopping around. Why would we choose to work with Fanfix as opposed to just the normal monetization methods that we could get through YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram? I understand that, you know, there's somewhat of a, you guys putting it all in one bunch, but how does it compare in terms of monetization from those individual platforms to your kind of sweet for all of them. Yeah, so one thing I would say is Fanfix is not competitive to any of the large social media platforms, meaning that at Fanfix, we want you as a creator to continue to grow your following and your monetization streams, which come mm. with it across all of your social platforms. Uh, what we will tell you is that you will make more money on Fanfix, driving your followers from across all of your social channels onto Fanfix and monetizing with a fanfix community because we have built out more monetization tools than uh, any of these large social media platforms and we aren't competitive to them and as a creator as well you know you, you don't want to be reliant on 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 you know big big budgets that brands have you don't want to be reliant on the ads sense market the only thing you can and should be reliant on is the support of your most loyal fans and that will always be there so We've actually seen that we're inversely correlated with the macro conditions. So as as the macro conditions have worsened, 
we saw, first of all, uh, brand budgets have significantly declined and, and brand deals have therefore significantly declined. We also saw the, you know, the numbers coming out last week with YouTube, YouTube's AdSense numbers falling off a cliff. As, as creator revenue and income has gone down from every other form, uh, revenue stream, Fanfix has exploded and, and we're, we're up over 1500% since the market declined. So, so we're seeing really just that, uh, that fans are always willing to support their favorite creators and it's a very good thing for creators to have diversified revenue streams. It's incredible what you guys have built. Um... I think uh, for today's interview, we're going to shift gears and wrap up with a few questions that we ask every guest, get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, a lot of our listeners want to get into the world of startups, whether as a founder or an investor. Uh, any books, podcasts, resources that inspired you guys that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, personally, my, my favorite podcast just in the tech startup world is the All In Podcast. I think just it's a great representation of the macro trends, what's going on, what's what's interesting. In terms of books, one of our investors, Jim McCovey, wrote The Innovation Stack, and that's just a brilliant, he, he's the founder of Square Block now, uh, and that's just a, a brilliant resource for, for entrepreneurs. Yeah, and, and, and Jim McCovey is one of the very few who uh, was able to take down Amazon um, and essentially win in, the, win in their payments vertical. Uh, he is also Jack Dorsey's longtime mentor. A lot of knowledge. Yeah, very cool. Definitely got to add that to the list. On that same vein for our listeners that may be trying to get into venture capital, uh, entrepreneurship, any general advice either you heard from some a mentor of your own or through your own experiences that you think would be valuable to share? Yeah, I think right off the bat, touching on Jim McKelvey again is one thing he would always say is fail fast and iterate quickly. And I think, you know, there are a lot of startup founders I meet building their startups, wanting to get to perfection before launching a beta or even testing it on users. And I think, you know, it's very important to get feedback early on and, and make changes early. Yeah, I, I would just say if, if you want to do it, then just find a way to do it. It's simple, harsh, but, but true. If you really want to get into venture capital, if you really want to build a big business, it's not easy, but if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And mm -hmm. you've got to be persevering and just find a way to make it happen. Yep. No, short, punchy. That's what we like to hear. Another question for you guys. You mentioned you clearly are connected with some other founders. Any other startups we should keep our eye out for or that our listeners should check out? Yeah, I think uh, right off the bat, uh, not to plug one of our own portfolio companies, but uh, uh, Posh.VIP, which is a fully integrated events platform, absolutely mm. crushing it with uh, yeah. ticket sales uh, and have has since moved into the RSVP space. And, you know, seeing a lot of events happening on Posh and very excited for uh, them to launch their new discovery platforms to help find events in your favorite cities and, in, you know, in the cities you live in. And uh, also, you know, to be able to hire DJs, bartenders, uh, event coordinators, cool. whoever it may be directly through the platform. And uh, that team has been working incredibly hard, just closed up another round and uh, excited for all their growth ahead into the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Avante Price, right? Yeah. yeah. Avante. Uh, and Eli. Avante. Yeah. Yeah. Met, met Avante mm -hmm. a couple South by Southwest ago, and then he put on the event in partnership with um, Max nice. Albert, the 
tech garden party at South by. I don't know if you guys went to that one, but yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah, the the party heard around the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they've been they've been killing it. We should we should get those guys on. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, Definitely. no, that's 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 a great call, Harry Simon. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate your time. Before we let you go, just want to let you guys shamelessly plug yourself a little bit. What's the best way? for our listeners to follow and connect with you as well as what's going on with Fanfix. Yeah, so to, to keep up to date on what we're doing over at Fanfix, check out Fanfix or Simon Pompey and Harry Gestetner on LinkedIn. You could also find me on my Instagram, Simon Pomp or Twitter, spompan one My Instagram is Harry Gestetner. That's the only thing I check that on LinkedIn. Big, biggest creator on Fanfix <laughs> yeah, right here. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Fanfix is also at H. I have the uh, the at H domain. Wow, that's gonna be that, that's already super valuable. I'm sure. Yep. Getting off the <laughs> center. <laughs> awesome guys, thanks for taking the time. Awesome, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but...